Welcome back to Diaspora.nz, where we're seeking out and profiling the hidden gems, founders, innovators, and up-and-coming leaders of the great Kiwi expat community. Today, we're speaking to Camel Brown, founder and CEO of events intelligence platform Predict HQ, previously one of the early team behind the success of Grab One, the daily deals rocket ship acquired by APM in 2010. I want to throw a big shout out to John Davies at New Zealand Trade and Enterprise in San Francisco, who made the original introduction to Camel today. Thanks, John. And without further ado, let's get straight to it. Hey, Campbell. Thanks so much, firstly, for taking the time to chat to us today. No Can you take us back a little way? Tell us a little bit about how you got started. How did you uh, make your way into the founding of Product HQ? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I'm not going to bore you to death on, um, on, on life in, in general, but I guess the, the journey for me, mate, is, is it kind of started... Um, uh, when I was leaving London uh, back in 2008, um, coming off the back of, you know, working with some pretty amazing companies in, in kind of the geospatial and advertising space. And then I got back to New Zealand and and went into to Yellow and, and and found out pretty quickly that it wasn't something that I wanted to be uh, or, or be around and, and met a guy called Shane Bradley that he said, look, we're doing some cool things um, over over in Parnell. Why don't you come over and join the team and, and came over and then I guess within about uh, three to six months, we um, the five of us kind of uh, started uh, Grab One, and and Grab One was kind of my first uh, real taste of, of being in a being in a battle and being in street fights, um, which is which is all about um, you know startup life, you know, and <clears throat> we had amazing success. We I think we went from about five of us to about 120 to 140 in, in about two years, and it's awesome fun, right? And, and it was an amazing part of my life and. And then we exited that to, to APN and, and uh, I got out in maybe 2013, 2014. And you said like being in a street fight, that was when the, the whole world had sort of caught on to daily deals all at once. And there's about <laughs> five or six competitors yeah. all popped up in New Zealand in the space of about six months. Yeah. Is there anything, I mean, yeah, in, in yeah, that yeah. environment of almost perfect competition, is, is there anything you've, you've taken out of out of that? Just just be brutal, man. Uh, I think, um, you know, competition is, is what drives you and what, get, what gets you out of bed in the morning. And I think... Um, you know, credit where credit's due. Um, Shane is one of these characters that um, hates losing, and, and I think he kind of breathes it into you when when you work with him. And um, and we just had a really good approach. We had a great team. We got along really well, and I think we just never stopped going. Like it was just, you know, I remember my first meeting with with a good friend of mine, Casey. We went to uh, it was a four by four motorbike um, place out near near um, one of the forests out there. <clears throat> cold as anything and then the next day we were kind of going and talking to Air New Zealand and then one day I was down seeing a hairdresser in Hawke's Bay and then back up meeting with with another big corporate but you just had to do whatever it takes to, to get things across the line and and realize you know you were building something great and, and we we just had momentum on our side and we had a couple of key things early on that helped us to build um, I guess a, a really big database and then and then build on top of that. It so was this cool, is man. 2013 and, and you were stepping out of grab one uh, and yep. did you know what you were going to do next at that point? Did you have the, the sort of the core of the idea, or, or really just time to yep. take a break? Look, I don't necessarily believe in breaks. I think there is um, at the moment, anyway. I think I went through a, a real self-discovery phase, and, and I'm not not to get all um, high on life or anything like that. But I, I tried to do as many different things as I could. So I was I was down in my office at our house um, building. Uh, I think what I was, I was building, I was building this uh, this real estate type of business, and, and and I spent you know every waking hour kind of kind of doing it, and 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 in the end it kind of 
I got to this point where I just I thought I could do it all myself, and that just wasn't that wasn't the case. And I and I actually met um, a, a really uh, good friend of mine now, Mike Valentine, who who created Online Republic with his with his brother, um, his his late brother, and he was at a stage with it in as his in his business where he kind of wanted um, uh, a different kind of view on life. Uh, within the business and and I was kind of looking for something different so I went and started doing a day a week with Mike in his office and then kind of went full-time and um, with a view that we would create a business that we could kind of jettison off to the side which is Predict HQ and and um, scale up and, and kind of help to sell Online Republic which we did last year in, um, in June um, and one of the other one of my other good mates uh, Vaughan Magnuson was kind of the, the kind of key part of, of, of getting that deal across the line as well so it's just uh, I think when we created this business with an online republic, we were very much focused on creating something that could solve a real problem. And that's what Product HQ was, was all about. And you obviously started building the business back in New Zealand. And then there was a moment where you realized that you uh, had to move up to the US. Sort of what was going through your mind at that point? Why were the, the feet on the ground required in the US? Yeah, I mean, you kind of reach a point in, in your business life where um, time is your enemy. And, and I think I'm not a sort of a character that likes to to sit around thinking about trying to do things uh, in, in a slow fashion, right? Because uh, especially in the, in the environment that we're in, you've got a very small window. And I think what I started to kind of get the fear of God into me when I was, when I kept visiting um, the Bay Area is that things are moving really quickly. And if you're not in that current, then you're you're not going to be able to achieve what you want to win. And this fear started manifesting itself and, and essentially to me going, look, saying to my wife one night, I, I think we take a crack at, at moving to San Francisco um, and seeing if we can't expedite the growth of the company. Because we had partners, we had a, one of our first partners, which is the airline revenue management system out of Seattle. We had them up there. We started to um, add a couple of big enterprise customers and it was closer to Europe. And, and so for me, it was, a, it was a better jumping off point. When you have that kind of moment of clarity, I think you just got to go with it and trust it. And even though you go through moments when you're thinking, you know, what the fuck have I done? I think you've um, you just got to suck it up and, and realize that it's, um, I would rather spend two years trying to figure out if what we've built is going to be a rocket ship or spend six to seven years twiddling my thumbs in New Zealand, hoping that um, someone, some people are going to speak to me. Yeah, yeah no, you don't seem like a thumb twiddler. Hey, um, so tell us about it. Uh, what are you up to at Predict HQ? Yeah, sure, sure. So we, um, we kind of ag- aggregate uh, the world's events into one single source of, of truth um, so that we can help predict uh, what events impact businesses the most. So, you know, whether it be an airline. So an airline right now is really good understanding that on July the 24th, there's going to be a, um, a spike in demand, but they don't know the why. So we are essentially helping businesses to answer the why. And that helps with planning, that helps with uh, advertising, that helps with all sorts of different um, user cases for it. Um, and the big focus for our business is the API. We do have a web app where you can log in and you can search, discover and be notified of events that, that are coming up. But for us, um, the big vision is that is that we want to be that that default default source of, of event intelligence and working with anyone from airlines, hotels, um, probably the largest on-demand platform in the world. Um, you know, it's the, the simple fact is that events impact businesses, right? And and that's kind of a, a real blessing for us. I can see how a lot of the interest would be in this in this API for sure. Um, one question: I mean, you talk about some big corporates here, um, not known for moving quickly and 
if they're going to make a decision to integrate with your API, uh, how do you handle that sales cycle? How do you engage with them, find the right people to talk to and really get through to a point of, of running a pilot? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the three key players that we, um, I mean, we're very lucky. We have a lot of inbound, right? And um, uh, so, and we're able to profile the people that are coming in. So the sort of people that are coming to and talking to us are engineers, product managers, and data scientists. That is That is our bread and butter. And that is because they they have a problem that they really need solved, which is, you know, this is, to give you a really, really good example, one of the airlines we, we work with, um, and this is throughout the entire industry, uh, they literally get in a room every month, sit around, search Google, and input events into a into a, a shared spreadsheet, right? Now, that is, that is anyone, that is even the big boys, right? That's Singapore Airlines and uh, to BA to, to anyone. And we just think that's completely broken, let alone the other things that we can do. So having that problem that is very apparent for a product manager, for an engineer or, or for a data scientist, the, it makes things easier for us because you're not only saving resource and, hey, those five people never have to do that again. It's all automated. And by the way, you probably have, you know, infinitely more coverage on, on any destination in the world is then you start talking about the pricing confidence. And what I mean by that is if you are a revenue manager for airlines or for hotels, and you know the why. So why is there demand in New York City on this date? You're less likely to drop your pants on your pricing. Okay, so you, and then if you drop your pants on your pricing, then you're going to maintain much better margins. And as you know, airlines work on a, an extremely small margin. So, so for us, it's a, it's a, it's a really great relationship. And but I think, you know, we're focused on travel and transport, right? But we're seeing applications for for our data and, and things that we didn't even fathom when we started, right? And um, anything from you know billboards through to um, you know all sorts of different things. It's it's quite a um, it's quite a crazy crazy industry to be in. And um, seeing that kind of scope of opportunity out there, and even though you are keeping your focus in on the travel and transport industries, how are you? Can you talk a bit maybe about how you're working with your product team and how you're sort of keeping the team focused around this one real really strong opportunity yeah i mean i think there's only so many hours in, in, in a day and and this this it's a very very cliched reason um focus you know why focus is important but it's cliched again because it's so true and and i think i was told this way back when i was when i was trying to do anything and everything and you kind of don't want to believe it because you think to be an entrepreneur you've got to be doing a million different things but it's a complete fallacy and i think the focus that we um kind of share in our business is that we know the problems so the problems that we're trying to solve are palpable and are very specific for the for these categories and that if they're easier to solve it means your path to revenue is easier and if your path to revenue is e easier it means that your business is going to be around from a lot for a lot longer whereas if you try to go out and do and be you know everything to everyone you will quickly um, fall over you know and, and that's you know because you know how to talk to you know specific categories and specific sectors so um you know that that focus is kind of critical and and i think the key thing in, in the big data space for some of these people it's um they believe because what they have created is, is extremely complex right so they've got algorithm after algorithm after algorithm that that same um thought process has to go when they're talking to the customer now i'm telling you now the customer doesn't want to sit there and hear about all these different algorithms and, and so the big the big point we try to focus on is, is kind of selling the value and not the features and that's again that's a really old school kind of sales tactic but it's very true you know like um what value are you going to add and i guess 
Predict HQ is in a unique position where we help to add value on the, you know, saving people resource. So they developers don't need to um, muck around trying to aggregate, maintain, clean, enrich, <coughs> and rich and provide um, algorithms. They can just access our API and get and, and get that straight away. And then on the flip side of that is how are we helping to improve yield? How are we helping to um, to improve marketing? And um, that that's kind of something that I'm quite passionate about because I see a lot of businesses out there saying we're big data and but what is the actual end answer? What are you providing to the customer that's going to go, ah, oh, that's amazing, I'm going to use it. Actionable insights, I hate that term as well. That's a <laughs> cop-out. That is yeah. an absolute cop-out. What are you giving them to action? What is it? Tell them and don't yeah, make it complicated. Straight out of a consultancy playbook, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So keep kind of playing on this product theme. Um, I'd love to learn a bit about how you know you're operating with your team, uh, with you up in the US and your team back in back in Auckland, and how uh, kind of the operating structures that you've built to yep. to get your day to day work done have, have evolved. Yeah, I think this comes back to one of the other lessons I learned very early on is is get a really great team around you, uh, and if you don't have a team that you can trust and a, and a team that you can literally draw something on the back of a of an envelope and then take a photo and send it through to them and they produce wireframes then maybe you got the wrong team and, and I'm just lucky that um, I've, I've got a cool team and, and people that I've worked with before uh, I guess when we started this business we built um, you know again it's cliche but we use slack and and um, slack is a blessing and a curse um, yes it reduces your your emails by 75 percent but it also makes uh, means that you are contactable anytime, anywhere, um, and you have to be conscious of that. If we're not getting anywhere, we jump on the, we jump on the phone. Um, we use platforms like uh, Envision as well to work through. Um, <clears throat> we actually upload our wireframes into Envision and we find it a better way of communicating with each other. Um, it's just, I think we're just always on and we're always communicating. We just try to have um, absolute transparency. Uh, and that, that comes to making sure everyone knows what our roadmap, roadmap is, they know what our values are. So, you know, one of our big values is, um, is just trying to remain as, as objective as possible because we're in a space where we can use as much data as we like to make informed decisions and be subjective when you just want to start potentially thinking about new ideas. And I think that kind of bleeds through the whole, the whole company. For me right now, it's, it's working really, really well. And, and I always try to get back to New Zealand to have um, kind of FaceTime with, with the crew and um, because you just, you can't, you can't beat yep. that. Yeah. And does that extend to the hiring as well? I mean, are you still leading the interview process for all of the new engineers and kind of setting the culture and defining how the, how the team works as well? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if, if you talk to Campbell five years ago, if he, if he you know, they're probably even two years ago, if I'm honest with you. If, if you would have said, look, what do you what do you think about culture in a workplace? Um, I probably would have said, look, I don't really care too much for it because I just want to keep moving forward. But um, reality is culture is um, is really, really important. And, and I, I'm making a, a much more conscious effort about about that. And, and so are some of my, if people um, feel more comfortable around talking things uh, through with you, then you actually get to the bottom of problems a lot faster when they, when they do arise. And then also just people wanting to turn up and, and work as hard as they possibly can to solve problems. You know, like the thing I keep saying to people in our business is, um, every problem we solve is kind of more IP in the business, right? And and I think it's really really important to to understand. So tell me about investment. Uh, it's a bit of a contentious one back home. I know uh, New Zealand is a small country, and we all appreciate that there's not that much capital to go around. But I mean, maybe just if you had any advice for founders who are just setting out. 
uh, who want to see themselves in your shoes in a few years' time and are starting to think about their investment strategy and how to you know, go about getting the basics right from the start. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can, as early as possible, get on a, a kind of a value-add um, investor, then then definitely be as, um, as focused on that as possible. Uh, you know, look, the trouble with raising capital in New Zealand is everyone is um, looking for a bargain. Um, and very few of them actually have the value add to, to offer. And what that means is you get a higher dilution for very little upside in terms of, you know, what context they might have in, in other countries. And um, you see companies like, or, you know, VC outfits like Movac who are doing things differently. And, um, and I have a lot of respect for the, for the guys over there. But they're kind of, uh, they're an outlier as well, right? I think the, the VC scene or um, the capital raising scene in New Zealand is, it can be demoralizing. So I think you should feel encouraged to take a few trips over to Australia. You know, they've got a pretty active VC scene over there and, and they're a little bit more realistic around um, kind of backing not only the, the idea, but the individual. Um, and then, but just having a kind of a, having an idea of your path, you know, so this round you're going to get on a, a really, um, you know, amazing Kiwi investor that can help you connect to uh, potentially the good VC um, scene in Australia and then Australia can connect you to the US and, and that can kind of help you move along and, and also consider the team, right? There's What people do you have around you at the moment and, and are they kind of the, the right people for you? Yeah, I love it. Hey, um, shifting gear slightly from business to personal, do you have any life hacks or yeah, as a founder, how are you optimizing your own time? When I came out of the US, right, I, I knew that I had to embrace the time that I had here. And I'm quite um, pedantic around the optimization of my time, right? So back in New Zealand, I was biking into work because I could get, you know, 15 to 20 minutes worth of exercise. I think coming to the US, what it made me appreciate is that if you are in the mixer of, um, you know, kind of the tech, the tech epicenter of the world, then you need to jump in head first. And, and I think what I do is, um, uh, you know, one good example is, is just simply carpooling, right? So yes, it, it kind of saves, saves the planet a little bit as well, but you get to meet so many different people. And I think if you can just take your head out of your own space for, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes a day and learn about what these other people are all about, you actually become, you know, a far smarter person. You know, like I, I've been in, uh, been in the cars with a PG&E uh, executive, with a, a tax accountant, with um, all sorts of different people. And the things you learn from it uh, are, are cool, man. Like I've learned about solar energy, about the how much it costs to put a pylon underground, just all these weird random facts. And what does the future hold for you? I mean, do you see yourself staying put in San Francisco or ultimately making it back home one day? Uh, it depends, man, and it, it depends on on what what the business needs. And I think when you're in a startup, you um, you can't be you can't be selfish in um, thinking is it right for the business or is it right for you. And and I think for us, we know that what we're doing at the moment is right for the business. And if that if those if that changes in the next you know two to three years or three to five years, then then we'll roll with it. Love it, Campbell. Getting in towards the end of the episode, and I really want to ask my favorite question, which is. Uh, what can we do for you? I mean, how can the great Kiwi diaspora help you and your business? Yeah, I mean, I think we touched on it earlier when when we talked about kind of the this, this sort of people that we love chatting to, which are, you know, software engineers, product managers, and, and data scientists who are looking to kind of leverage event intelligence in their own business, whether it be their application, whether they're looking to data modeling, um, and particularly if you're in the kind of travel and transport categories, because, um we know uh, we know the results that we can get uh, for, for businesses, and and we also I guess 
from a different point of view is getting feedback from our community is is how we kind of build a better product as well. Um, and I think the more feedback we get, the better the product uh, becomes. And so if people have look ideas around different sources that we should be looking at to be ingesting within our, within our API, then we're all up for that as well. And I think that's kind of how uh, the flight booking data kind of came to fruition, born out of, you know, kind of feedback we had around uh, directional demand and how are we helping to solve that problem of if there is a <coughs> school holiday in Sydney, you know, where is that pushing people? And we didn't have the answer to that. And I think for us, mate, like the future of this business is we want to map every event in the world. Thanks again, Campbell, and everyone for listening. Uh, Predict HQ are doing some awesome stuff. If you do happen to know anyone working in the travel or transport sectors who might be interested in taking a look, feel free to drop us a line via team at diaspora.nz. Also, if you have any feedback on the session, questions, or suggestions for future guests, we'd love to hear from you. That's it for now. We'll see you next time on diaspora.nz.